Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. I have the privilege of being able to see that each and every week and uh, yeah, they do just such a fantastic job, our house youth team. Well, today we are continuing our uh, Forever 21 series where we're looking at 21 days for breaking old habits and starting new ones. Or at least that was the original plan, that it was going to be a three-week series, 21 days, like I kind of had it all planned out. Uh, and uh, Tash was supposed to be sharing this week, uh, but unfortunately she um, has a crook back and can't move. And uh, so, but she's all prepared her message, so we might have to extend it out. Is that okay if we add an extra week? Just gives you more time. You can pick the best 21 days out of the 21 days. Uh, so you can sort of, you know, still get there in the end. So today, uh, what we're sort of delving into, if you remember last week, uh, if you weren't here, maybe go back and check it out on YouTube or on the podcast. Um, but I talked through this idea of um, using sort of the, the Ten Commandments as eternal uh, habits that God actually wants us to, to enter into. And so today we're going to delve a bit more uh, in depth into, into one of those, and that is this idea of rest, or as it was in the, you know, in the Ten Commandments, like taking a, uh, a Sabbath. A Sabbath is how they worded it in the, in the Ten uh, Commandments. And so one of the interesting things that I have noticed... Uh, is the change in language, I think, that has happened pre- and post-COVID. That uh, before COVID, if you went around and you asked anyone how they are, how their week has gone, or whatever, they would say, busy. I don't know if you've ever answered that before, and, but, you know, like, how was your day? Busy. How was your week? Busy. That kind of seemed to be the most common answer that I would get from people and probably that I would use myself. But then post-COVID, which was interesting because sort of we had that time of lockdown where, you know, we weren't able to, you know, go to sport, we weren't able to go out of our house, we weren't able to even come and attend church for a period of time. And so, like, everything was kind of shut. So we weren't busy. But our language kind of changed where I think now quite often, you know, if you ask people how they are, quite common answer that I get is tired. Anyone in the last two years felt tired? Yeah. So I think that there's this thing going on where even though we had more time and less things to do, for some reason we have actually felt more tired. So I think that as a society we probably don't actually know how to rest well. In fact, I think the enemy has hijacked this whole idea of rest. He's given us entertainment, he's given us this FOMO, fear of missing out on things, so that any spare time that we do have that could be used to rest is actually just filled up with more junk. Now, growing up in a household with five males in the household, and uh, most of which are bigger than me, both in stature and in width, uh, you can imagine the, the grocery bill that uh, my parents had was kind of quite large. And so um, this thing would kind of happen... Particularly when I was, um, I went to school in Adelaide for a couple of years. So year eight and year nine, because my parents were both uh, working in in Adelaide, uh, I had to go to school in Adelaide, and then I would have to wait until 5:30. Uh, me and my older brother both uh, were there, and uh, we'd have to wait until 5:30 till my parents finished, and then they would take us home. But you can imagine that two teenage boys by 5:30 we got quite hungry. 
And so my dad would stop off on the way home and uh, he would buy a loaf of bread and put it in the back and my brother and I would sit there and we would devour the entire loaf of bread during the ride uh, home. And then we would have tea when we got home. (laughs) So there was nothing on there. We wouldn't leave anything behind. Like the entire loaf we we would eat. And I think the same thing when it comes to entertainment and rest. You see, what my brother and I were actually craving was not necessarily food, per se, but nutrients. That's actually what you need. And so even though we'd consumed this entire loaf of bread between the two of us, it really gave us no nutrients. And so we were still hungry, and so we still had more, but bread was the cheapest and easiest thing that my dad could throw in the back seat for us to eat on the way home. And so I think what we, not, what, we don't need just volume, we need nutrients. And so when we have time off, if we're going to things like YouTube or Netflix because the only spare time that we have in our days or in our weeks is from 9pm till 1am and we have to get some volume of rest in there and that's kind of the only thing that like consuming for volume when really actually what we need is nutrients that we've been fed the plainest, most simple thing, just throw TV at it, just, you know, take two weeks off and go on a holiday to the beach, buy a caravan, drive around Australia, do whatever to try and gain nutrients, to try and gain this idea of rest, but we find that our soul is still hungry. In John, in 3 John, 1 verse 2, it says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. That you may be in good health just as your soul prospers. What do you do in your week that makes your soul prosper? Like we go to work in order to make our bank account prosper. Some people exercise, go to the gym, play sport so that our health will prosper. We can invest in relationships. We can sow time and and energy and effort into relationships so that our relationships prosper. And all those are good things, but they're not eternal things. Your soul is eternal. Your soul needs nutrients. What are you doing to provide your soul with nutrients? Because as amazing as two weeks on the beach might sound or driving around in a caravan or watching an entire series for the third time on Netflix, none of that actually causes our soul to prosper. And so we're kind of left trying to do this thing called rest but never actually getting it because we're feeding on the wrong things. This week, it is National Volunteer Week. And to all our amazing volunteers, both in the room and watching online because you're currently serving, I want to say a huge big thank you that our church could not run without the work of our volunteers. Yeah, give them a round of applause. It was so great that um, a couple of weeks ago we had the, the pastors conference here and um, for our, all our pastors across the state. And uh, 
ordinarily, what they do is they go out for, uh, for dinner because no one can cater for a group uh, that size. Um, you know, anywhere from sort of 80 to 100 uh, pastors sort of coming in from across the state. And so they, they budgeted in, they factored in us taking, you know, 100 pastors out, um, out to dinner every night. But because uh, we wanted to bless our pastors and because we have our amazing Liberté team, they said, no, we want to serve the pastors. We want to be able to, to provide food for them so we could stay on site and uh, great conversations could happen. And so because of that, they still had budgeted in the conference fees the same amount. So that meant that because of our volunteers, because of all of you who helped and support that and support that every week, that just through uh, the volunteers at conference, we were actually able uh, last week to send $4,000 to Cambodia, to our school there. (coughs) So amazing, amazing stuff. Uh, so that's going to be able to finish off that music room that we showed the other week and pay for a, an instrumental uh, teacher, a Christian instrumental teacher that can uh, teach them how to worship and uh, they're going to learn uh, some dance and stuff as well. So very soon, uh, I believe that we're going to be starting a, uh, a church there with the street kids in Cambodia, all because of the fact that people volunteer around our church. Now, having said all of that, obviously I gain a lot when people do volunteer. And so maybe you might not trust this next part if it came from me, but it doesn't come from me. It comes from the Word of God. It comes from the the Scriptures. In Proverbs 11.25, it says this, A soul who blesses will prosper. And those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. So it's this idea of getting into the habit of actually serving God is actually what's going to give us those nutrients, our soul nutrients, for our soul to prosper. Now, I can't afford to pay our volunteers what they are worth. And at last count... When I think uh, Jody added up the different numbers of volunteers, we had 197 different volunteers that serve within the church, within various capacities within the church. <clears throat> well, I almost don't like calling our people volunteers because even though they are, they are volunteers, they're, they're more than that, that we are, in fact, family. But this idea of a volunteer is someone who does work for no pay. And even though we don't get money, which is, which is temporary, I pray that you will see that there is a huge reward. That there is a huge reward to what you do. A forever reward for the service that you do and give to God here. And so we want to value all of you, and I hope that you value what you do too and that you get to see the eternal reward for what you do. But the tricky part is is that either in the pre-COVID busyness or the post-COVID tiredness, I understand that because we all have to work in order to make money, to buy bread and other things, that if we still feel tired and busy at the end of the week, sometimes volunteering at church can be the first thing to go. So if you're in a life group, this is going to be one of your questions for this week. It says, when you get busy, are your spiritual habits the first thing to go or the first thing you go to? And we need to know the answer to that because I guarantee you the enemy knows the answer. And there's a saying that goes, if the enemy can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Because if he knows 
that that's going to be the first thing to go. That if you feel tired and run down at the end of the week and like we see these things as essential but these things are just voluntary, that all he has to do is press us a little bit and give us some extra opportunities or make us feel tired and we're going to let go of the very thing that is going to cause our soul to prosper, which is to bless others. That's what the passage said. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. You see, if you're already fully fresh, maybe just turn to the person next to you and say, are you fully fresh? Are you fully fresh? But if you are fully fresh... You don't need refreshing. So this passage of Scripture is actually written to everybody who feels down, who feels like they're lacking, who feels like their emotional, spiritual, relational tanks are on empty and that they need something more. And so what the Scripture is actually saying to us is the way to actually be refreshed is to not necessarily... You know, last week we talked about the idea of the by oxygen. Because the, the carp thought that the, that the way to, to freedom was the absence of all restrictions. But we said true freedom isn't the absence of all restrictions, but the presence of the right restrictions. And so it is with our schedule. We can kind of go, well, I'm feeling tired, I'm feeling run down, so I need to remove all of these things from my schedule. I need to, to clear those things up. But again, it's not, the, it's not the removal of everything from your schedule that is actually going to cause you to be able to enter into the rest that God wants for us, but the presence of the right things in our schedule. You see, if you clear your schedule, again, the enemy will fill it with all sorts of pointless things. But what is actually going to refresh our soul is to schedule the right things, to be intentional with how we use our time. So this passage says that the one thing that should be on your schedule every week, the one habit that you should have above all else, is to actually refresh others, to serve others, not for money, but for good, for the good of your soul. Volunteers are not worthless, they are priceless, and eternally so. So rather than three points this week, we're going to have three paradoxes because we're changing the way that we think. We're changing our habits and we're changing the way that we think. And so our first paradox is, if you're too busy... Volunteer, but volunteer to serve others in the kingdom. So that's what we've just been talking about. Paradox two is then, if you are too tired, walk. But walk in step with Jesus. And this comes from Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30, where Jesus is saying, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So again, this is a paradox because a yoke is made for work. It's made for pulling heavy loads. It's made for ploughing up new ground. And Jesus is saying the solution to you feeling tired is not the absence of all work, but the presence of the right work. So let me explain that with the use of the yoke. So, Brock, if you can... Um, Pass me the yolk there. Because this is not an egg yolk that Jesus is talking about. It's a, 
It's a yoke that they would use um, to sort of harness oxen. And so Jesus is saying that we need to actually be yoked to him. So sometimes they would use a single yoke, or sometimes the one that Jesus is talking about in that passage of Scripture is a double yoker, which is like this one here. And they would use this for two different reasons. One, if the load was too heavy for a single oxen, but also to train the new, um, the new and up-and-coming oxen so that they knew how to work and how to, how to plough. So it, it, they would sort of put the, uh, the head through and uh, there was a pivot point sort of back here and the load would be attached uh, there sort of uh, behind the, uh, the oxen. Now, as a sort of a, a general rule, a single oxen could basically carry uh, a load almost equivalent to its own weight. So if you had a 400 kilo oxen, it could probably carry a, a load, a weight of about 400 kilos. If you had an 800 kilo oxen, it could pull or carry a load of about 800 kilos. But then when you have two oxen, all of a sudden they can actually pull three times their combined weight. So, I am a 99 kilo ox. And so, just like Jay-Z, I have 99 problems and I can carry that weight, but one more and all of a sudden I get stuck. There's a weight that I can't carry. As the weight increases, there comes a time where I can't pull it, that I feel the, the weight of things that as the wood sort of presses down upon my back, that there is a weight that I can't carry, that I can't pull. And so what Jesus is saying is, is that if you are feeling tired and run down and you're feeling the weight across your back, the solution is not to just leave the weight behind and go and sit on a beach somewhere for, for two weeks or go and watch Netflix or do whatever, have a bit of a rest and then come back and just keep trying to pull the same weight again once you've had a rest for two weeks. That's kind of the way that the world tells us to rest and that's why we constantly feel tired even when we do what we think is rest. But what Jesus is saying is actually what we need to do is we need to be yoked to Jesus, that we need to actually increase his weight in our life. Because whatever weight we put onto Jesus, whatever weight, however much we depend upon Jesus, whatever weight we put on him, will then determine how much we can carry. So that feeling of tiredness, that feeling of being run down, of being too busy, is actually a sign or a symptom that we're not putting enough weight on to Jesus, that we're not putting enough weight to him on our lives, that we don't value church attendance, that we don't value our Bible, that we don't value our prayer time, that we're not putting enough weight onto him. That's what he's saying, that his yoke is easy, that his burden is light. Because, you see, on the cross, Jesus proved that when he put that wooden beam across his shoulders, that he could carry the weight of the world, that he could carry the sin of the world, that there is no weight too heavy for him to carry. So as much weight as you want to put on there, your combined weight when you are yoked to Christ is infinite. Whatever battle you are facing. Then, 
as I said, they need to be yoked if we're training a new oxen. Because what would happen is, exactly like what Michaela was saying in our worship time, that sometimes we go too far ahead and if the young oxen would go too far ahead of the, the main oxen, they would start to feel a pinch, a squeeze. And so pain would then actually drive them back so that they would stay in step with the oxen. Or if we slip too far behind, the same thing would happen and we feel a, a pinch as we get too far behind. And so that should drive us back forward. And so the same thing happens in our lives. Sometimes we get too far ahead of God and we start to pull in our own strength and we start to feel tired as we start to feel the weight come upon us. And again, that's a sign to get back in step with Jesus because we're feeling the weight of moving in our own strength, moving ahead of God. And then sometimes we get too far behind. We think that we're not good enough. We say no when God is nudging us to go and speak to that person, go and do that, because we think we're not good enough. And so we start to retreat and we start to pull behind and we start to feel the pinch of purposelessness, that we're not carrying anything. We don't need to be here that nothing that we do matters. And so the solution is then to walk in step, every step, with Jesus. You can't do nothing, but you also can't do everything. Two weeks ago, a, uh, a church met with their board and they voted me in as their new senior pastor. Now, they weren't asking me to quit here. They just wanted me to be in charge of their church too. Now, it was a healthy church, still is a healthy church. They owned their building outright, which was probably worth almost $2 million. They had $200,000 in the bank a healthy congregation, people getting saved. And there was a temptation there for me to take it. I mean, this is what, you know, kind of as a pastor, this is kind of what you're praying for, more influence, bigger, more, you know. And as Brahman said, at the moment, you know, we're trying to desperately save money to put a canopy from here to our kids' shed so that we've got room for outdoor fun functions and events and different things going on, that we're desperately looking for uh, venues that we can purchase for, for Mount Barker so that we can be, have a permanent home there. In a couple of weeks, Matt and Midi are being ordained down at Goolwa and they're looking for a place where they can stay uh, as that church down there is already beginning to grow. And so it seemed like that this opportunity was the answer to all of my prayers. But as I moved forward into that, I felt a pinch. I felt a weight start to come onto my shoulders. And so even though it was hard and even though the opportunity seemed great, I had to step back in alignment with Jesus and say, no, I'm not going to take that role, that that's not my weight to carry. But Jesus doesn't do that without giving us something to work on, that there is a step, there's still a next step that he wants us to take in line with him. And so as I was praying about, like, what, what is this about? Why, why do I have to say no? I feel like I've got the energy. I feel like I've got the strength to, to go and, and to do this and to achieve this. But he said, no, I want you, what I want you to do is actually to invest 
more time into your marriage, to invest more time and effort and energy into your staff. And I thought, but I've got, I've got the best marriage on the planet. I mean, we're not fighting, everything's, everything's going good. I've got the best staff on the planet. They know that I love them. I probably don't say it as much as what I could or, or should. But me taking on this role, surely, you know, if I'm not here some of the time, then they would have to be in charge more and it proves that I trust them and it proves how much, you know, they are of worth to me. But God said, no, that's not for you at this time. But what is for you is even though you have, you know, what you think is the best marriage on the planet and the best staff on the planet, he's like, I want you to have not just the best marriage on the planet, but the best marriage off the planet. That there is more than just the here and now. There is more. Don't look to just people to the left and to the right of you, but God wants you to have a a supernatural marriage. An out-of-this-world marriage that he wants your staff to grow and, and flourish and for you to train them and equip them. And so even though it's only been two weeks, I feel like that me being obedient, feeling that pinch and stepping back and saying no to that amazing opportunity, it has actually strengthened our marriage already. And so I started a new habit this week where I bought my wife flowers. Yeah, yeah. And church, I want you to help keep me accountable Okay, every 20 years of marriage, I'm going to buy her some flowers. So if you're feeling tired and run down, maybe there is a new work that God actually has for you. So look at where he is stepping and be yoked to him. All right, are you ready for a, a quick-fire 10 commandments for Sabbath rest? Last week I gave you a whole bunch of different 10 commandments. So we've got a, a new set this week that's just around Sabbath rest. All right, so number one, thou shalt get at least seven hours of sleep per night. I've got scripture verses for these. It says, I lay down and slept, yet I woke up, in safety, for the Lord was watching over me. Sometimes I think we don't sleep well because we think we have to watch over ourselves. We get anxious and worried about this and that person, what's going on there and the finances, and we need to watch over this and the bank balance and the bills and the everything. And so we lie in bed at night, some of us, and we're watching over everything where this passage says... If God is watching over you, you can rest and wake up in safety. Now, for this one, I have an extra bonus scripture. Um, so it's not just seven hours of sleep a night. It matters when you get those seven hours of sleep a night. First Thessalonians 5, 5 says this, For you are children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So, we need to get our seven hours of sleep when it's dark. Groundbreaking, I know. <laughs> so tonight, last light tonight is at 5.40pm. And then... It's dark until 6.39am, that's when the first light breaks. So you have 13 hours to choose when you're going to get your seven hours of sleep. So that means if we work backwards, no one should be going to bed any later than 11.39pm. (laughs) 
And if you do want to sleep in, it's fine to sleep in. We just need to sleep in on the other side of the clock. So you see, if you want to get eight hours of sleep a night, it just means that you need to go to bed at 10.39. If you want to sleep in for two hours, you can still go to bed at 9.39 and get two extra hours of sleep in the dark. But tests and studies have proved that it is important. This is not just a passage of Scripture that Jesus puts there to be encouraging to us. But we actually... It's the way that our bodies are designed, that we're actually made to sleep, not in the daylight hours, but in the night. And even in the middle of summer, you still have nine hours of darkness where you can still sleep and get your extra sleep and sleep in if we sleep in on the other side of the clock. Okay, seven hours of sleep in the dark hours. Number two, thou shalt not watch any horror or spiritual movies. And by spiritual movies, I'm not meaning you know good spiritual movies, Christian movies, that's all fine. But there are so many horror movies and there are so many movies that have negative spiritual connotations to them. And again, watching those things does not feed your soul. If we're looking at how to get soul rest and we're saying that we're working and we're too busy and we're feeling tired all the time, one of the ways that you can help your soul get the nutrients that it needs is to break that habit of watching horror or spiritual movies. Number three... Oh, sorry, I should have read the, the passage for that one. Very important. So, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, watch only those things on Netflix. <laughs> Philippians 4.8, revised edition. All right, number three. Thou shalt say no to one opportunity the world has to offer. So, this passage is a pretty scary one. Proverbs 14.12 says, Before every person lies a road that seems to be right, but the end of that road is death and destruction. Not every opportunity the world has to offer is leading you to a place that the... So maybe say no to one opportunity that the world is giving you. Conversely to that, number four, thou shalt say yes to one godly call on your life. Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans I have in mind for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for peace and not disaster, to give you a future filled with hope. So if we want a future filled with hope and we want peace, we want rest, then we have to look to his plans and say yes to his call. And number five is sort of the fulfillment of that. Thou shalt serve on the house team. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece, created in the Messiah Jesus to perform good actions that God prepared long ago to be our way of life. There's good actions that God wanted to be our way of life. Our way of life just means habits. That's what we're talking about. Creating new habits, breaking old ones, that serving in God's house should be a habit. It should be our way of life because that's what he's prepared in advance for us to do. Number six, thou shalt work from rest, not to rest. I'll read out the scripture verse and I'll explain what I mean. Genesis 2.2. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So we kind of read that and we kind of go, okay, God worked for six days and then because he worked so hard, he deserved a break and so he took the seventh day off and so we're going to do the same. Once we've worked enough and we've earned enough and we've done what we needed to do, and we're deserving of a break, then we will take a break. And that's working to rest. 
However, when we look at things from man's perspective, what day was man created? Six. So what was man's first full day? Rest. Started with rest. We don't work to rest, we work from rest. We start with rest and we t- we've sort of messed everything up and we get everything back to front. So we don't work to rest, we work from rest. Number seven, thou shalt start every day with time with God. Psalm 100 verse 4, enter his gates with thanks, enter his courts with praise, thank him, bless his name. That's the entrance, that's the passcode, that's how we enter in. So if that's how we're supposed to enter into his gates, enter into his rest, then that's how we should enter into every day, giving God thanks. Start every day with time with God. But then at the end of the day, thou shalt pray to end every day. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So if you want to be able to get to sleep before you... um, I was going to say, get to sleep before you go to bed. That's not right. You shouldn't go to sleep before you go to bed. Go to bed. But if you pray, uh, that will enable you to be able to sleep well because you've casted your cares and your anxieties, your requests upon God. Number nine, thou shalt prioritize recreation or recreation over entertainment. Psalm 46 verse 10, be still. And know that I am God. Sometimes we just need to be still. That we need to focus not on being entertained, but on being recreated into the image and likeness of God. Number 10. Thou shalt follow the good shepherd. Walk in step with him. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He leads us to that place of rest when we allow him to be the shepherd and lead us to the places that he wants us to go. Okay. Paradox three, as we bring this to a close. If you feel too worthless... Rest in work. Or rest rather in workmanship, which is what we read before in Ephesians 2.10. For we are, or sorry, Luke 17.10 says, we are worthless servants. We've only done our duty. But Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. And that seems like a paradox. We are worthless servants, but we are his workmanship. I think one of the main reasons that we feel tired and busy is we spend so much time and effort and and energy trying to work out who we are. We're trying to gain our identity from our job rather than our calling. And I know that that's been hard for Some people in this room that once they've hit retirement or once their kids have shifted out or different things like that, all of a sudden it's like, well, that was my identity and now my identity is gone and I don't know what to do. So I'll just pull back. So we just feel like we just need to keep working as long as we keep working as long as we keep doing something then maybe I'll be enough then maybe that will give me the identity and we kind of feel like this hamster on a wheel that's just running and running and running and running trying to achieve trying to gain our identity but we're kind of getting nowhere and the truth is without Christ we are worthless servants And nothing we do will ultimately matter because nothing will cross over from here to eternity. 
but with Christ, in Christ, knowing that we are His workmanship, we can get off of that hamster wheel, busily looking for our identity, getting tired and never finding it. Because in the cross, we see what we are worth to God and how to find our identity. See, in prisoner of war camps, what they would do if they wanted to break the, the slave spirits is one day they would tell them to get up and pick up all the rocks from the yard from this side and take them to this side. And then the next day when they would get up, they would just say, take all the rocks now from this side to this side. Because it's, it wasn't just the work that was killing them. It was the purposelessness. The fact that they weren't achieving anything that killed them. You see, the original lie that got Adam and Eve to eat the fruit in the garden was that God was withholding something good from them. Genesis 3, we read what Satan said, You will not surely die if you eat of the fruit. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Satan got them every day to chase after something that was actually already theirs. You see, on day six, God said this, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. The lie was that we would be like God, but we already were. Day eight was supposed to be the start of an eternal rest in God's light, in God's love, in God's presence, because He had given us dominion over everything that God had created. But Satan stole that rest. He put us on that cycle of never-ending work, saying, you're lacking, you're missing out, there's something else there. Just go and pick up those rocks and take them there. I can show you what your identity is. Just, just, just try and find it in, in work. Just try and find it in, in money. Just try and find it in, in achievement. And if you just work hard enough, one day you'll move enough rocks and one day maybe you won't be a slave anymore. But you were never meant to be a slave. It said right in the beginning that you were given dominion. That you were meant to be rulers. Jesus took on that yoke of slavery. He placed that wooden beam across his shoulders with a burden and a weight that no one could carry. But he did it to set right everything that we had put wrong, to stop this endless cycle of striving so that we could regain our true identity as sons and daughters of the King made in His image and His likeness so that we could again enter into His eternal rest. And eternal rest doesn't just happen upon our death. It happened upon His death when He set everything right. That we need to rest in the knowledge that He withholds no good thing from us, including the life of His very own Son. Can we stand and I want to pray for us in this room because I just feel that so many of us have been just striving. Striving through life. Striving to feel like that they've done enough, that they can be enough. Striving to think, am I now acceptable? Am I good enough? Because I just feel like that servant. I feel like that slave. 
wants us to be free, church. God wants you to know your identity, to stop striving, start resting in the knowledge that upon the cross, He has done everything. He's proven your identity. He's proven your worth. So I just want to pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray for anybody in here that is feeling the weight of the world upon their shoulders. Anybody that is feeling as though they just can't do it anymore. They just, we feel tired, we feel busy, and we're just sick and tired of being sick and tired. That the solution is not two weeks on a beach somewhere. The solution is not binge-watching Netflix. The this, this solution can and will only ever be found in you. So Father, I just pray right now that the Holy Spirit just removes this weight, this weight of expectation that we've placed on ourselves, that we've allowed the from people's lives. Remove it. Father, we, we want to thank you for the cross. That on the cross, you bear the weight. You bear the weight of our sin. You bear the weight of our death. You bear the weight of our guilt, our shame, our condemnation. You bear the weight of us not being enough. Father, right now, Everybody will know that your yoke is easy, that your burden is light. That right now, you would echo those words that you said in your scriptures. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. Let's rest in him now, church, as we worship him. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house, our home.